Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why, hello there. This is Benjamin Boyce, and welcome to the Boyce of Reason podcast. Today's guest is Corinna Cohn, and she's a trans individual and a founding member of the Gender Care Consumer Advocacy Network, or the GC Can. And they are a group of trans and detrans individuals whose main goal is to facilitate information reaching the hands of those who are caregivers or seeking gender care. Very middle of the road, fact-based advocacy group. And Corinna and I speak about that group and then speak more about uh, gender ideology and gender essentialism or the pursuit of an identity and how one matures beyond that narrow-minded pursuit. And uh, she's been on my channel before. Excellent, stately individual, great conversation. So here is Corinna Cohn. I need a green screen, obviously. Well, you don't need one. You're not a professional yet. Or are you? No. Uh, well, I mean, it depends on professional what. <laughs> I think I'm a professional trouble causer at this point. Oh, really? Good for yeah. you. And you're doing that successfully without Twitter. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I shouldn't say that our group is doing it successfully without Twitter because we did fire a shot on Twitter and it was responded to on Twitter. Nice. I, or should we congratulate you? Was that the expected reaction? Well, the, the best reaction would have been if Teen Vogue had yeah. responded to us and, and said, if we got something wrong, will you help us clarify it? <laughs> right. That's not, we didn't expect to get that response. So let's, um, let's define some terms. What's, what's GCCAN? GCCAN is the Gender Care Consumer Advocacy Network. Okay. It is a nonprofit that was started in the fall of last year by a group of people who are all either current transitioners or former transitioners. Hmm. And oh, really? our goal, what's that? Yes. In fact, uh, that's a requirement to serve on the board is that you have to have experience. Okay. So, lived it's a, experience. Lived, well, however, however you want to describe it, we want to ensure anybody who wants to affiliate with us that we're not uh, an astroturf group of any sort. The people who are involved with GCCAN are people who have personal experience getting gender care, uh, medical therapies, uh, seeing uh, doctors, have been involved in the process somewhere. And because of that, that it's important for them to want to seek improvements for it. Okay. And what are the basic, um, like, solid things that you guys are targeting to improve? Like, what, what's the list of priorities? Right. So we have published a gender care consumer bill of rights that lists them out 
But some of the things that would be relevant to somebody in my position would be more research on uh, the outcomes of hormone therapy for when you're giving a cross-sex hormone to someone, uh, especially over the longer term of their life. Uh, more research generally, because right now there just isn't enough information um, with adults or children. But it's especially more urgent that research on how these therapies affect children takes place. Also, we're trying to provide uh, or, or advocate for more just outcomes or more uh, fair outcomes for people who have been harmed in the process of receiving gender care. Could, could you, for a moment, describe what types of harm uh, you guys are seeing or that you're addressing? The surgeries for uh, genital reconstruction surgery or for any, any of the surgeries, but, but particularly that, can mm -hmm. be scarring. They can, they can result in devastating effects. There's, um, especially related to phalloplasty, which is when you try to construct a, a, a penis on a, a, a female's frame. Yeah. Their, uh, skin is taken or donor, from donor sites around the body, and that can uh, cause permanent disability by doing that. And the, the phallus that's constructed isn't guaranteed to work correctly it can uh, rot or have uh, seams open up in it so that it's not like a, a fully constructed tube. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when, when that happens, there are some surgeons who, who try to help their patients that are in that situation. But when that's happened to your body, it's very difficult to become whole in any sense again. Mm -hmm. So we would like there to be more remedies available in terms of um, being able to have uh, like it, it, be, being care. able to super medical malpractice over over a longer period because I think okay. there's a usually about a two-year window for medical mal malpractice okay okay for these types of therapies that window should be increased and the amount that patients are able to get should be increased as well If it's elective, though, the ball's basically in the patient's court. It, it is. So yeah. that's part of the reason why we're coming together is to help other people in our situation become aware of yeah. Yeah. what the realities are and to band together so that we can start to provide some better solutions for people in our situation. Yeah. To go back a little bit, you said uh, you wanted more research for adults and children, and that it's very urgent that there's more like uh, long-term research into the outcomes for child transition. If the medical community actually pursues that openly, won't they have to admit that this is all experimental? And is that not kind of incentivizing them not to provide research? I don't believe that anyone represents this as anything other than experimental. I mean, ev even the most, hmm. even the most strong advocates of 
providing uh, therapies for children, I think would, if put to the question, would, would, would answer it by saying, yes, it's experimental. Okay. Is that not alarming in and of itself? It is. The, so, so to look at it from the point of view from somebody who's advocating these sorts of therapies for children, they would say that if you don't do it, the children will be more likely to commit suicide. That actually is not studied. There's not any information that would, would prove that. About the closest thing that would support that is that there is some evidence that all LGBT youth have a higher propensity to suicidal ideation and suicide attempts. Mm-hmm. But there's not, there's not really anything that shows that over the long term that any of these therapies actually are useful for having positive outcomes for the patients that are undergoing them. Okay. Um, but why would, let's say, Teen Vogue take up the mantle of trans youth and uh, protecting trans youth, and specifically in the article in question, uh, saying that anything short of uh, affirmation therapy is conversion therapy. What do you think is going on there? That's a question that you would probably need to ask Teen Vogue or the author of that article, Heron Greenfield. I can only assume that there is a desire or a belief. I think it's a belief. I, I would say that it's quasi-religious belief mm-hmm. that there is a placeable thing in our brain or in our soul called gender identity, yeah, and, okay. that's, and, and that it's possible for some people to have a gender identity that's different from their sex. And if, yeah. if you believe that to the point where you're not willing to hear criticism or, or study it scientifically, if it, 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 it becomes, you know, unquestionable. Or maybe to put it in Teen Vogue's terms, they would call it incontrovertible. Yeah. And if, if you believe that there's really a, a little boy stuck inside of that girl, then there's this moral imperative to release him, right? Mm-hmm. But that supposes that there is that solid, identifiable core gender, which, you know, our, our membership has been oh. through the experience to know there probably isn't that core identifiable real thing called gender. It's just a perspective or our, our experiences of living. Mm-hmm. And how do you, on that level, on a cultural level, how do you see GC can operating or what, what's the kind of the message that you guys are maybe not even forwarding, but kind of operating under uh, with regards to what is at the root of m- much of this uh, transgenderism or transsexualism? Like, is there a coherent... It, it, in fact, even though we have different points of view on the board, yeah, our mission for GCCAN is not to resolve that question at all. Oh, okay. The only thing that we want is to try to further having good outcomes for people. Okay, yeah. So based on our experience, we think one of the things that would help people reach better outcomes is to, especially for for younger persons going through this, 
to question, like, why do you feel this way? Are there any other sort of factors that might be causing traumas for you? Do you have any sort of other untreated uh, traumas that you're, you're experiencing that maybe should be addressed before we uh, prescribe you um, hormone blockers or testosterone or, or estrogen? Like, there, there's not a real holistic experience for hmm. a lot of these youth. It's, it's this affirmation strategy that doesn't have any sort of uh, breaks or, or slowness to it. It's just a rush. So we wouldn't want to stop somebody who really needs this sort of care from getting it. We want it to be more contemplative and reflective instead of uh, urgent. Mm-hmm. And is that controversial? Among some people, it's controversial because, again, if you believe if if you believe that there is this other person inside of someone and that they'll die unless they come out, then there's a, a moral urgency to releasing them, right? Yeah. But it's controversial if you believe something that can't be disproven. That's true. Uh, so you guys released a. Uh, kind of an answer or a takedown of the Teen Vogue article, which was very pro-affirmative care to such an extent that they said that there's no need for dialogue on this, or they said that any dialogue on this is not dialogue. You can't question this. You guys uh, wrote a very brief, dense uh, reply to that, and what's been the response to that? It's been very positive. Yeah. We've had... So Twitter is kind of the battleground for a lot of the, I, I wish I could call it exchange of ideas. That, that would, that would mm. suggest that we have a, a, a counterparty who wants to engage with us. Yeah. But we've had a, a lot of the people who want us to succeed have, have shared the message and have approached Teen Vogue about it. Without mentioning us specifically, Teen Vogue has resurrected or reshared that article on their Twitter feed. Um, Not only that, but in in what seems to be some sort of coordinated social media um, exchange, Lambda Law also shared it, as well as Trevor Project. So we criticized them. We made the criticism public. And although we didn't get a reply from them to us, we believe that their reply to us was to start sharing that article again. And in fact, Teen Vogue excerpted one of the things that we criticized most strongly, which is their assertion that um, questioning this is, is um, th- that there's no dialogue. The table, yeah. They excerpted that in a tweet and, and reshared their article. So we, we t- believe that's their answer to us. Okay. And so with regards to, I didn't, recognize the other two uh, associations that you mentioned, the Trevor Project and another one. Are these, uh, what, what are these uh, institutions or entities? Trevor Project is a nonprofit that is, does outreach for LGBT teens who are at risk of suicide. So they provide a, uh, I believe they provide a telephone number and a number of other types of resources to help LGBT youth. Lambda Law is a 
very well established nonprofit, legal nonprofit, to help uh, gay and lesbian clients. Okay. So th- this, both of these are firmly part of like the the gay institution. They're yeah, they're okay. they, they are they are part of the the pillars of of the community. Okay. And so, as an advocacy group, you have to wrangle with those advocacy groups, right? As well as the medical yes. establishment. Uh, are these groups in your way, or are they? Uh, causing friction for you you guys to not be able to reach the people who would be promoting this research we're we're pretty new and we're gaining momentum i think when people understand what our message is instead of just making assumptions because they read something in teen vogue when people actually learn that what we're trying to do is achieve better outcomes for us that we are advocating for ourselves and our peers yeah to be healthier and whole and that we're not trying to stop people from having access to care, that we're not teaming up with people on the right. When they actually hear what we're saying and, and they read our, our Bill of Rights, which is what we're using as the basis point for everything that we're doing, yeah. that they'll actually agree with us and that they'll come on board. Mm-hmm. And what is the, uh, what's the tact then for getting your message out? Uh, do you guys have panels and, uh, I guess, websites right now? But are you guys uh, introducing speakers or stuff like that? We had some plans for the summer before yeah. the, the current. In the before, we had plans. Yeah. <laughs> we, we want to bring people together uh, so that we can start having these conversations. We think that as more people recognize that there's a need for trans care to, to change and to mature and yeah. to think about our long-term outcomes, that people will want to join the conversation and help us achieve our objectives. Okay. So in a sense, the conversation, it, it has moved very rapidly. And I've spoken with a number of guests who have brought up the fact that over the last three or five years, the trans issue just blew up just out of nowhere it took 60 years for gay marriage to come about now in five years we're we're medicalizing children and we there, there's been no time to really let it sink in so i guess in a way it seems hopeful that we're moving into kind of a next phase or if we put the right pressure on the conversation or at the right uh, inflection points we can move the conversation towards more considerate less activist uh centered rhetoric And it's it's going to move that way, Benjamin, because now that parents are getting involved, one thing that that is absolutely true is that a a parent's love for their child is uh, the bond is so strong that it surpasses politics and ideology. The parents want what's best for their kids. Mm -hmm. They're going to get past the the message that of of. transition or die they're gonna they're gonna get past that they're going to look at their kids getting into their 20s into their 30s and they're going to start saying well how how can i make sure that maybe my baby who's eight or nine right now how do i make sure that 20 years from now they're able to be a well-adjusted happy adult Mm -hmm. we're not sure that for every one of these children that puberty blockers or early hormone interventions or, or early surgery is what's going to help that child be healthy and happy and as an adult. 
maybe in some cases, but as widespread as it's been happening over the last five years, as you've observed, we know from our own personal experiences that we needed more of a chance to, to reflect and understand hmm. the, the trade-offs and the repercussions of undergoing these treatments. And where can, let's say, a teenager who's suffering a lot of gender distress, let's just say, where can they go to find information of this sort? It seems like, from my perspective, that Reddit does have some growing offshoot communities, uh, but the main communities are very affirmative, very strong. And that's just a sample of one website uh, that youth will be interacting with. Where are some other places for them to go? Or, better yet, what are some questions that you would have them ask? The communities that that need to exist to help balance the message of affirmation, I'm not sure that they really exist yet. That's one of the things that we need to start building. Okay. What do young people need to consider? Well, I started my transition when I was, you know, depending on what, what you want to consider the start to be, I started hormones at 18 and I was already starting transition at 17. What I didn't know at that time is that by, well, I, I kind of knew it, but I didn't really understand it, that going on HRT was likely to, to reduce my uh, total lifespan because mm -hmm. the risk of, of stroke or uh, other sorts of um, heart issues could, or circulatory issues could be uh, intensified. Um, yeah, and, I, this I 17, for, and this is specifically for, for estrogen. estrogen. Okay, yeah. Right. right. And testosterone has similar sort of risks, uh, may maybe even more acute because testosterone affects the um, reproductive system that a, a female will still have even if they are taking testosterone, whereas uh, on a male body, everything's mostly external, so it's not... Hmm. Basking it's, it's, it's in the not glow. As... Basking in the glow? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't, well, uh, I guess, I guess of the, uh, of the hormones that are being shot into the bloodstream. I don't oh know. my gosh. <laughs> Sorry. I well, it, at, at any rate, you're, 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 it's a trade-off. So if you're starting hormones so young, yeah. one individual maybe, uh, might still make it into their seventies or, or eighties. If you look at the whole population, we should expect that that whole population will have a, a more reduced lifespan. Do you have any figures or estimation of how much, like 10 years, five years, 15? It's, it's, it's not really clear. Yeah. Um, part of the reason is that if you want to study a population, like over their lifespan, if, if somebody starts hormones as a teenager, What's, their, what's the change in their average life expectancy? Yeah. That's really difficult to study because there, there's not a population yet for that. Yeah. Um, you can make estimates, hmm. but there's, there's not really a source that, that I could point you to and say, that this is the um, average reduction in lifespan if you start hormones okay. at this age. Okay. There, there isn't really a resource for that. So it really does but seem like... A I was going to say, what there is, is if you, if you look at somebody who's been on estrogen for a number of years, you can see that their, their medical risks go up. 
So you can make projections based on that. So in a sense, it is a value proposition. Do you want to live a long life or do you want to live in the case of you accepting gender ideology or the belief that gender is a uh, essence of yourself? Would you rather be your true self or not be your true self longer? So I guess in a certain frame of reference, I'm just trying to understand the justification of shaving off your life. And it seems to be, well, I will be living a more authentic life then. Right. And how does but one uh, approach studying that? Or could, could I address that for a second? Yeah, please. That was yeah. So, so I was 17. I wanted to live my authentic life. I wanted to be a woman. I, I thought that was my true self. Um, then in my 20s, I wanted to do other things. I wanted to become a, a computer programmer. I wanted to start a business. Then in my 30s, I wanted to go to law school. Like, all of these things are part, like, facets of myself. There's not really anything inside of me that's my true self. It's this process of discovery of who you are every single day. It's, it's called living. Hmm. So to say I'm going to reveal who my true self is and, and, and do that reveal when you're a teenager... Like, yeah. you haven't lived yet. And every single experience that you have, uh, every friendship that, that you make, uh, all of these things change who you are as a person. So there's not, there's not this real self inside of anybody mm-hmm. to, 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 uh, to hatch out. There's just this accumulation of different experiences. Well, if you wanted to become a lawyer, you go to law school. If you want to become a woman... Don't you just go to woman's school? And in a way, and, and I'm devil's advocating here uh, for, you know, if, if you want right. to become something, then you go through the process of becoming that. So what's the difference between eight years of super rigorous schooling or eight years of super rigorous, uh, I guess, retraining your body, your mannerisms and, and fiddling around with the hormone concoction in your bloodstream? Well, the, the most obvious difference is that you aren't required to take medications or have surgeries to be an authentic lawyer. Okay. So you don't have to make irreversible lifelong choices to accomplish becoming a lawyer. Hmm. And And, and these choices really are irreversible, even when they say you can stop uh, you can stop taking hormone blockers, but already by having taken them, that, that, that's, that's changed the direction that you're going. Yeah. That's a permanent change. So we've spoken about this before in our first interview, and it's been a year and a half, I believe. But I, I would like to open this up if you're willing to. How did you find that... How did you find a balance in the pursuit of, I guess, manifesting your femininity? Like, what was the, how did you mature in that uh, attainment of that or the fulfillment of, of what was inside of you in that direction? A lot of what it was to achieve that was to find people who would validate that in me. 
Hmm. It was to become part of a community that of other people who, who were going through similar things to find peers and re- receive, um, receive kind comments, receive, val- receive validation. And you brought up Reddit earlier. And if you've looked at some of the communities that are for trans people, you can see that, that that's still a, a very important aspect of maturing into because when you transition you're not becoming like i didn't become a woman i became a transsexual so to to manifest femininity was not really actually to become female it was to become transsexual Mm -hmm. I, i you know at the time that i was going through that that's not how i understood it to be I, I thought that I was actually becoming my true self. Um, I felt like I could become less guarded because I, I wasn't really, I didn't like trying to pass as a man. I didn't like trying to um, fit in with men. So there was a, a release of that pressure of having to, to perform that sort of masculinity. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like growing to becoming uh, a, a woman, it was really, it was really receiving a lot of input from other people. That that's what that, that that's what was happening. Yeah. There's a uh, like a pattern on Twitter, and I haven't seen it recently, but I I noticed it that every Sunday the LGBT youth would get together and and get a hashtag trending. And it was some statement, LGBT pride, or, you know, just some, like, hashtag. But it was basically a bunch of kids looking sexy into cameras. Like, it was basically mm-hmm. just a way of getting validation. And I think that, that while that, that validation is very natural and very important for a certain rung of life, I think that it can get people stuck. And part of what I've been observing outside of trans issues and part of the my way into it was by studying the personality um not disorders but the very big personalities that are involved in activist culture and so i guess to bring this to a question how does one avoid taking that uh, affirmation from a peer group the wrong way and how did you mature if you have beyond that what what are some of the things that you found uh that have regulated that aspect of of being a person i think the core of it is to do something to have a a hobby (laughs) so so when you're online you're not doing anything when you're on twitter when you're uh on social media on instagram you're not doing anything you're, you're, you're participating in this weird sort of environment where there's a lot of judging and, mm-hmm. and uh, recognition and then shame. Or heart building. Right. But it's not doing yeah. anything. Yeah. So just like, like you have to go outside and do things. Yeah. You have to meet people and have some sort of project that you work on together. You have to have some sort of mission that drives you where, where 
you get validation because you're accomplishing the mission that you set out to do. And not that you're getting validation because somebody online told you that you look great or that you posted a funny meme or yeah. that you that that, that that the insult that you directed at somebody was really great yeah. right um that's that's an unhealthy sort of validation but any anybody it doesn't matter what they believe or or or, or their alliances or ideologies or anything anybody can become healthier by just getting involved in something besides the internet okay just like a protest just, just do something Maybe. like a protest Right, go build shields. <laughs> You're making something with other people. <laughs> Milkshakes, and then you throw them. Right, right. <laughs> well, but more seriously, so we, we talked about the you know regulating that aspect of your life of finding validation in the eyes of others, and and maybe finding validation. Um, by the wayside of learning a mastery and then having what you create be validated, which is one step removed, but at least you're wrangling with a material or a, a process or right. a group. So in respects to activism, because your group is an advocacy group, how does one be a mature activist? What is the, what is the way of forming a good, healthy group that is, that is targeted towards social change? You're going to have to schedule another interview in a couple of years to ask that question because okay, we are so still in the infancy <laughs> stage we are still learning all of that okay so what what do you guys hope then folks with an x hope to achieve we we really just want uh, we we want our peers we want who we call gender care consumers but they're just uh, trans or detransition people like us we just want people to have uh, opportunity to understand our choices better so that we can plan for our futures more and okay. so that when things go uh, badly for us that we have uh, better outcomes that, yeah. that, that we're able to attain better outcomes do you perceive i interviewed scott nugent um day before yesterday or yesterday and uh he said that he expects a big backlash in the form of lawsuits. Are you concerned about any sort of backlash against the rapid um, push towards affirmation and the rapid uh, onboarding of young people into uh, medicalized transition pathways? Or are you worried about that? Do you think that that will course correct on its own? I'm, I'm worried about it in the sense that the people who are going through that right now are not going to have all of the remedies they deserve to have at the time that they might want to file the lawsuit. Because there, there are pretty tight windows on malpractice. Yeah. Okay. So somebody who's 13 or 14 years old when they're starting might not be able to have the remedy available of uh, bringing a malpractice suit by the time they reach the age of majority. Do you expect the medical profession to understand whether or not they are participating in malfeasance or malpractice on this issue? And what do you think are some of the paths towards rec getting doctors on board with a better form of care? When, when care providers, especially the ones, let's, let's divide them into two categories just briefly. 
Okay. There are maybe the leading edge ones who've been pushing this for the last 10 years or so. Yeah. Or I should, when I say pushing, providing services to the trans community as their main focus, right? Yeah. And then there are others who um, maybe have pre pre-existing relationships with their patients and want to use that sort of guidance to, to, to help them. I don't have a lot of faith personally that we're going to influence the first group. That first group is, uh, I believe, more driven by um, an ideology than by science. They're always going to believe that if you don't immediately start providing transition care to, to, to children, that the kids will, 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 will die or kill themselves. They, they, they believe that, and, and that's just going to always affect how, how they um, relate to their uh, patients. Yeah. That second group who they're out there seeking guidance, they're seeking uh, ways to um, help, help their, their uh, patients, they're going to want to hear the stories of, of our membership. They're going to want to hear, okay. hey, when, when you uh, said that I could have a double mastectomy when I was 15 or 16 years old, that wasn't the right approach. Learn, learn from my experience. And before doing that, look for other sources of trauma. Look for other non-surgical interventions to see if those can be tried first and, and relieve any of the gender dysphoria. Like look for less traumatizing, less permanent um, treatments before jumping to something that can't be reversed easily. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I really believe that second group is going to hear what we're saying and, and maybe a tap on the brakes a little bit okay. for the people who are getting services from them. Do you folks have any strategies or do you know of any strategies to get your information in front of that group of medical professionals? We've been doing some networking. Yeah. It's like when we started, we were like, we're going out of the gate. We're going to do all of these big things. We're going to put pamphlets in, in every single doctor's office that's going to explain yeah. Like what you should think about before you should have the surgery, and and uh, those are becoming longer and longer term as we become more realistic about what it's going to take to make this change. Uh, we want to do that. We want like it would be great if somebody who's considering uh, if a teenager who's considering a mastectomy could download a pamphlet that wasn't um, coming from uh, a, a really biased source that was coming from people who've been through this that says, mm. hey, you're not wrong for, for wanting to do this. You know, this, we don't consider this mutilation. We don't consider this, uh, you know, stealing our, our, our children or anything like that. If that's what you need to do, but understand that this is part of the experience of doing it. Like mm. it's, uh, here, here are some of the surgical, um, things that might go wrong. Here are some of the things that, that people have gone through it. Think about it five or 10 years from now. Like mm. reflect, reflect on some of these, uh, on a little bit more of this information. Um, instead of focusing on maybe the, the YouTube star who has a million followers and, and needs to like 
keep projecting a certain sort of image. Yeah, you'll get there, Benjamin. <laughs> you caught that. I was trying to do that when you were looking. <laughs> uh, you'll get you'll get there, but but you won't you won't be doing it by telling people to. Uh, um, you're not doing it through a transition story, right? Not yet. Not yet. Well, uh, when you are, no, doing, I probably doing GC cam. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's this real idealized sense of what it is to be trans, especially for trans teenagers. Hmm. Uh, the, the reality is a little bit more gritty. There are some really good things about being trans. There are some difficult uh, at times things about being trans. There's a whole picture to understand about these choices. Yeah. And we want people to be able to make their, their decisions, understanding the whole range of experiences and outcomes instead of just like the, the most idealized outcome. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's basically it. Yeah. That sounds like a very realistic goal, though there's plenty of uh, work to do with regards to that. It, bringing up the concept of an idealization of what it is to be trans, it, there is this level of a lack of a novelistic understanding of what a human being is, which is my aim in producing these interviews and something that you brought up just about you know, just kind of expanding yourself and like saying, oh, I, I was focused on this goal, but then I had a bunch of different other experiences. And, and it seems like we, there, there's a, there's an aspect of this. And I think that it's really strengthened because it is framed in terms of activism with all the urgency and the, you know, aphoristic, you know, distillation of complex ideas into, let's just say, trans women or women or something like that. Like there's this really powerful, iconic drive and, and idealism that's, that's wrapped up into even the idea of what it is to be a woman from the point of view of a, of a male that's striving for that or, or is, or is caught in trying to separate himself from himself and in order to achieve something else. And I guess the only way to maybe there's other ways to experience that is is exposure to time and that requires the release from urgency and and the reintroduction of patience um, in some way into our life uh, which so much of our world is oriented towards impatience yep and you can't teach an impatient person, patience. That has to be learned, right? <laughs> so what we can do is at least provide some role models. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that there are some younger uh, trans women who look at me and say, uh, you know, I'm living right now what she did 20 years ago. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe hearing something like, stop, stop participating in trans communities so much and go like go build something maybe if i can be a role model and somebody can hear that maybe that will help set them on the road to patience maybe yeah or or just becoming more fulfilled from things besides trying to accomplish an an identity yeah yeah accomplishing an identity that's it's a fascinating concept. And once you kind of get older, you're like, I, actually, it doesn't really accomplish anything. <laughs> I mean, other than like a brief moment where it makes sense of myself, but. 
I was thinking that maybe you could do the opposite of a RuPaul drag race and like what I don't know what the opposite of a race is like some sort of drag sloth like just like like something very just like more like a documentary kind of style yeah I, I think as a writer you know that the opposite of a race is procrastination <laughs> trans procrastination that's actually that's right sounds like a good band actually <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll, I'll start hormones tomorrow <laughs> maybe so what's on your plate for this summer then? Well, one of the things that we would really like to do is our, our Bill of Rights. We would like to get people to start giving us more feedback on it. Mm. One of the ways that we're looking at doing that is by providing a some sort of like a, a petition or like mm. a letter writing site where people can um, list that that they agree that with those ideals and maybe provide any other sort of feedback that they uh, would like on it. Um, obviously, we're not looking to uh, create a forum for a debate on it. We're, what we're, as an advocacy group, what we're really trying to do is find our peers and organize our peers. We're not, we're not trying to specifically go out and change a lot of minds, but we do want to find our peers, hmm. more of them, and be able to, to build this momentum so that we can start having more tangible worldly effects. Right now, most of what we've done uh, besides the Bill of Rights is that we've re responded to a, a couple of state legislators who are trying to, um, what we think, wrongly regulate access to uh, therapies oh, okay. for, for trans youth. Um, we, we think they're way too heavy-handed and uh, mm. not respectful of the experiences and needs of the patients. So we've written some some critical press releases for that. Okay. But what we'd really like to do is start making more tangible real-world changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that wrong wrong regulation is a is a key contention that could be a, a grounding for. Coalition building with those whom are threatened by you at this point. Uh, what are your thoughts, if you have any, on that recent uh, kind of uh, regulation from the federal government? I didn't do too much research into it, and if you didn't either, but it would be nice to have your input on how you think trans rights or trans medicalization could be better regulated and what that how that is different from how it is wrongly being regulated. We're looking into it. We know that, uh, like, last month, two really important things happened. One is that the Trump administration defined uh, sex as not gender identity. So as part of that, they said that any sort of um, protections for patients that are based on sex cannot be extended to people based on their gender identity. And that is not great for people who uh, are, are in my position. Um, there, uh, there needs to be clear and specific language that says that uh, people can receive care and receive equal treatment uh, irrespective of their gender identity. Okay. So 
maybe maybe one of the ways that can be fixed going forward is instead of trying to bundle gender identity and sex together under one term, is just to make them two two clear terms and make sure that both of those categories are protected. The other thing is that the Supreme Court made a Title VII ruling that said that uh, treatment based on sex can't be, um, I'm not a lawyer, I'm sorry, Benjamin, I, I, I'm a law school dropout, but that's not quite the same thing. Uh, <laughs> I forget what the exact ruling is, but it, it means that you can't have a separate dr dress code for men and women, that would be discriminatory. So okay. the, the dress code has to be able to be available to, to both. Okay. Uh, and, and that's going to, that was a, a pretty narrow ruling, but it's yeah. going to start to expand. Okay. There is a aspect of, there's a very slippery aspect about the gender ideology that it seems like you have somewhat of a middle position on where you don't, you don't accept that there's such a thing as a girl trapped in the wrong body or that you won't go that far, but you do want to be able to protect um, uh, gender expression or you think that that should not be grounds for discrimination? Is that the, the proper way to do that? Correct. I, I can see some arguments being made that if if you open that box into... I mean, th there's just like, there's the 52 genders crowd, and then there's the gender unicorn crowd. There's this There's this whole hazy kind of ideology that starts to take into place when you decouple sex and gender. Once you once you make that leap, like like how do you navigate the compounding complexity of of that leap into a post-gender world or into a gendered as opposed to sexed world? I, I don't know if I'm I'm articulating the uh just the madness that could be what is prompting, let's just say, conservatives to put their foot down there and say, no, a man is a man and a woman is a woman, and some of them are weird, but you're either a man or a woman, right? I, and I'm, not, I'm just doing my conservative right. advocate thing. Just, just to check, in this scenario, I'm weird, right? What? <laughs> <laughs> you're weird in the right way, according to me. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what's going to happen in the long run. Okay. Uh, you, you, these, these sorts of identities that people are, are, are trying to pursue. Yeah. Um, when they finally catch the car, what are they going to do with it? Right. Uh, does it give you a, like, if you change your name, um, start using they, them pronouns. And, uh, after you've done that, is that enough? Does that like scratch that that desire that you had to be that identity? I don't know. Um, for me, what I learned is that once I caught the car, I lost interest in it. There's there was more to grow. There were more things to do. There was a lot. Life was a lot bigger than my identity. But I don't I don't know what's going to happen to everybody else right now that's searching for it. Yeah. Um, I, I hope that they catch their cars, get bored of them, and move on like I did. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that it's healthy to continually navel gaze into what your identity is. There's, there's more to life. I think that from the perspective of somebody outside witnessing that 
uh, in other people or witnessing that journey in other people, the proper stance I would I would say is the same thing that I would want them to learn themselves, which would be patience, just being patient with them and allowing them to experiment and play around with that and hopefully create something cool like, you know, David Bowie did, you know, like with playing around with those things, right? Um, but they weren't an end in of themselves. They were purposed for something else. So I guess, in, in a sense, being reactionary to that is is not going to help them in in a sense being reactionary to somebody who's playing around with identity will just make them double down in their pursuit of identity and make it even more concrete oh, yeah. for them like oh this you, is you could, you could say even that for somebody who's exploring that identity if you were to send in a whole bunch of federal troops they might become more <laughs> dug in about that identity well yeah but okay let's let's take it there but if they're actually trying to destroy a part of their body, like like a city might be trying to destroy a part of a body, you need to protect a certain part of the body of the city, especially if it happens to be federal land. I'm just saying, there's an appropriate response. I, I don't disagree, but when when uh, when when you're when you're seeking so badly to hmm. have that conflict and, and you receive it, that's that's a um, affirmation. It's an affirmation, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's a negative affirmation. I mean, and that's that's one of the games that is really important not to play is that uh, is to fall into that. And in social media environments such as Twitter, that seems to be par for the course, and it's really difficult to disengage or or to to constantly bring the conversation back into some form of reality, um, some form of like, well, what does this actually mean? What are we actually trying to do? to accomplish. And and if it is health in this conversation, then there's got to be really basic questions and then, you know, mature ways of accessing information and, and providing information about it. That maturity hasn't really started in earnest yet. Hmm. GC Can is going to be part of what brings about that maturity. You're the hair on the chest of Chan, Chan's rights. Uh, yeah, that was a puberty joke. I uh, probably I'll have to cut that one too. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I feel too relaxed around you. My Twitter for soon is coming out. No, it's it's. Uh, uh, I'm not offended by that. Okay. Do you have anything fun to tell me about yourself? Hmm. You know, um, I recently got into bicycling. Whoa! So I'm getting outside, I'm exercising. For, for anybody, you can't discount the importance of keeping your body in a healthy state, right? Yeah. And so even even though I'm already taking estrogen and have increased my risk of stroke, uh, you know, offset that by getting outside and exercising a little bit more. Well, isn't uh, that good for the vascular system or the circulatory system anyway, so... It is, and I, I hate to sound like an old person, but you can't say this without sounding a little bit old. I want to live for a long time. Okay. I want to be healthy for a long time, uh, and uh, you take it for granted when you're young that you're just going to be healthy indefinitely. Yeah. But at, at some point along the line, you you have to start making deliberate choices about your health. So, yeah. getting getting a little bit more exercise is is part of that, and it's it's pretty fun to go out and learn about a different side of my neighborhood that yeah. you don't really take in when you're driving in a car. Yeah. 
Are there is there resources for uh, male bodies on estrogen? Is there like extra like is there dietary? Is there knowledge on like different dietary changes or exercise regimens or, or stuff like that? Is that another area that hasn't actually been explored of how to maintain? To to my knowledge, there hasn't. Um, okay. When I go out and Google and look for that, I find um, anecdotal information okay. or maybe uh, hmm. th th there. There is research on like trans bodies, basically, but oftentimes the sample size is small or yeah. the methodology is is questionable. So it's mm. it's really hard to, to to even take the conclusions very seriously. Yeah, it's such a frontier. That's a great word for it. Yeah, I mean, and and it really does speak in a sense to the values of the culture that has stumbled into this place is that we're always looking for a frontier uh, in a way it's that spirit well we're we're basically the um, radical moderates on this issue yeah yeah and saying you know we're probably going to piss off everybody because we're not saying that that children or teenagers shouldn't transition we're saying it should be the the most deliberate careful step you take you should rule out like it should be the last step that you take if if you've ruled out every other choice mm -hmm. but if you're going to take that step it needs to be working with people who are going to help you plan the journey instead of okay. just kicking you out the door yeah so we're, we're, we're not going to make anybody happy because we're not anti-trans we're not anti-therapy we're just saying uh do do it do it in a measured way mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah what a pain in the ass. It's it's a really weird time to be living in right now because hmm. not being an extremist is almost puts you outside <laughs> of out of the norm, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think one of the, the, the most punk phrases right now is I'd like to hear both sides of the argument. <laughs> So oh. that's that's what we're trying to do is, is just say there are it's not even an argument. There's yeah. our, our experiences are complex. Like yeah. it's it's not it's it's not yeah. shiny voids. Like there's there's rust. Yeah, it's not an argument, it's a platform. It's it's a it's not a it's a frame. It's a frame. And I, I think that that's lacking and I think that one of the detriments of activism is that it it overreaches and and at some point, the loud voices need to go to the back of the room where, you know, the, the actual issue can be can be addressed. And 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 hopefully we can see that happen um, and uh, watch people get less entrenched in their beliefs and, and more uh, on board with figuring out what's going on and how to, you know, help. I, I'm not just your channel, but others like it, Benjamin, give me hope that there are people who want to have conversations or hear different perspectives, that their their minds aren't completely set on mm. there only being one correct outcome. Um, it doesn't really matter how to put this. I want to I be able to have conversations with people without having to sort them into 
evil or good categories. I just want to hear what somebody's experience or, or perspective is without yeah. having to, to prejudge them. Yeah. It seems like we're losing that to some extent, but yeah, I maybe think it just feels that way. I, I have a lot of optimism that people get bored of, well, no, people like to just be assholes to one another. I guess that's a universal content, a constant with regards to human interaction, but I, I think that there's a lot of territory to be mapped that's off of the outside of the uh, MMA ring or hexagon. I don't know what they use, like fence of some sort. I, I don't know. That's that's fighting. That's not a girl thing. Out, out, out of the cock ring? Uh, no, that's. I meant like we're the we're the roosters. Okay. I'm sorry about that. That's okay. You might want to cut that one. <laughs> third chimes a charm <laughs> i'll just put it uncensored in the title of this <laughs> well great so you guys are doing um are you guys going to do some zoom chats stuff like that online chats more st- more things like this get a yes. panel going uh we did one it you know uh apparently live streaming is a little bit more difficult than just turning on software who knew oh yeah obviously you know oh yeah uh we're learning it We've, we finally got one of our streams off the ground and uh, had a fantastic conversation. Uh, it was really just talking about our Bill of Rights and about why it's important to us. Okay. But I believe we're going to be doing another live stream to talk about okay. specifically the Teen Vogue article, our response to it, yeah. and their response to our response. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you guys have a channel then uh, on YouTube or some other video platform that I can link? It's on YouTube. You can find it just by searching for GC Cam. And I'll link also your website and possibly the GCCAN Twitter if there is a central uh, media. Yep. Yeah, we have Facebook. official GCCAN. Oh, official. Official. Right. Well, the unofficial one was taken. Oh, okay. You, you do. I, I shouldn't say leave. that. I shouldn't say that. I, I need to get right off this call and go register that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Corinna, for, for coming back on. Um, I'm glad we had something to talk about to get you back on here, but it's, it's always great to talk to you. Yeah, I've, I've, I've missed uh, seeing you on Twitter, but um, yeah. I'm out and doing other things now. Yeah, so. that's okay. You're probably in a better place, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> When you die, you go outside. <laughs> yeah, IRL. It's the it's the afterlife of the internet. All right. Well, it's better in the afterlife. Thanks you, for the you conversation. See, yeah, you sound oh. good. You sound good. Yeah. I'm going to cut it there. Congratulations for reaching the end of the podcast. If you enjoyed this product, consider donating to this channel via paypal.me slash Benjamin Boyce or joining me on Patreon. Also follow me on Twitter at Benjamin A. Boyce. Have a good night.